use the uh, this guy. I'm actually really glad the young people are in here today. I didn't know that was going to happen because um, I just been uh, the Lord gave me a word for for using the young people this morning for something, and I just kind of want to start off uh, that. God gave me something in the middle of the night last night, and he said to, to bring it up to the people. And uh, it's, not, it's not part of the message. I, I, have a, a different, I have a different message, but I want to, uh, I, I kind of have a, it's, it's a word of knowledge for, for anyone here. Is anybody here, and, and really just, I want to pray with you real quick on this. Is, does anyone here have, you're having problems with sleeping at night? Anyone here? You're having issues with sleeping, okay? Sleeping, because, and I just, I, God God woke me up and he said, look, we need to pray for sleeping. And, and I thought, What's, why is that? He said, David, he said, sleeping, sleeping is to the body what prayer is to the soul. It brings an element of rest. It brings an element of peace. And whenever we lack sleep, our body is not able to function. But also, when we lack prayer, our soul is not able to function. Um, now, I'm not saying that if you are not sleeping, you're not praying. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there is a level of peace, a, a physical peace that God wants to give you. And, and what he wants to do is, God always gives us a physical example for a spiritual reality. That's just the way he works, okay? It's, that's just, he's that cool, okay? Um, and I want to do this. Um, kids that are under 10, can I see your hands? Is there, how many kids under 10? We got kids under 10? Okay, can you all stand to your feet? Can I see some kids under 10? Can you stand to your feet for me? Can I, all right? So we got, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, now, how many people, are, you raised your hand, sleep? That you said, I, I'm just having some issues with sleep. Okay, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, seven on seven. That's what I'm talking about. See, God knew. God knew. All right, see? Um, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to the kids. Kids, remain standing real quick. The Bible says, the Bible says in Matthew 18, it says, unless you become like little children you cannot come into my kingdom. So what I want you to do, uh, kids under 10, I want you to find, uh, now adults, that raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand really high and have one young person go to the one, to the person next to you that's raising their hand. And what you're going to do is you are going to impart the peace of yourself, the peace of a child. Okay? Just put your hand on the person who's raising their hand. All the kids, just put your hand there. Put your hand there. All right. Now check. This is cool. Kids, you aren't going to do anything. This is God. You are just an example of his reality, like I just said. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we just acknowledge how great you are. And not only do we acknowledge you, we agree that, God, you are the God of of peace. Lord, and as these young men and young women are touching, Lord, Lord, even the, uh, the people who raise their hand that say, I need peace in my sleep, that they would impart the peace of a child. 
they would impart their peace, Lord, to these people, the natural things that they're going through in their body that are not allowing them to find peace at night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on now. God is good. Right on. Awesome. I, I love it. Man, you kids are awesome. Now, guess what's going to happen? Now, can I, can I, real quick, the young kids, you just, you raised your hand and you, you laid your hand on, um, on some people this morning. The people who you got touched by the young people, uh, guess what's going to happen? I'm just going to want to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have peace and sleeping right now. Okay? This is just God's reality. Because you agreed and God met you. And as you sleep tonight, you are going to receive that peace of that child. And when you, you are, there's going to be a, a, when you wake up, there's going to be like a, I even think there's going to be a word of confirmation. You're going to wake up one more time. And the Holy Spirit says, you are now going to sleep peacefully as that child. And then there's going to be peace. And I believe you are going to sleep. I believe the things that are keeping you up at night are, are they're done. They're done. It's over. It's just done. Okay? Peace of God. Amen? Amen. You guys, um, I just want to tell you how much I'm, I'm really honored to, to speak. My parents are in Hawaii. Um, praise God. They, they actually were, um, at, at one point, they were like, you know, David, I really don't, I, they really didn't want to go too much. The reason they, they went on a trip, they had um, some airplane tickets, and they had to use the tickets. Uh, or they would expire. Some of y'all know you do the points thing. And, and so they use these tickets. And you guys ever do those points things? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys get airline miles. But anyway, they went on this trip. And the Holy Spirit told me, and he just said, Look, I know they might not want to go initially, but I've been, I've been working this moment for a long time. You know, I've been waiting for this moment. And there's somebody, there's going to be, there's somebody that needs the gospel that they have that I, I preordained for the beginning of the foundations of the world. And this trip, and I even just heard this person telling this testimony that, yeah, and it all started back, I just was thinking like in generations, that someone's going to say, yeah, it all started back when my grandmother got, they got touched. The Spirit of God led them and they had to go to Hawaii but they didn't even want to go and they didn't even want to go and, and they spoke to my mom and my dad and, and just spoke a word of knowledge and, and that just, that just that's what brought them to the Lord and then my parents and me and, and I just saw this, this legacy of obedience uh, and I, I got so excited and I just wanted to impart that to them and my dad was like, just like okay, alright you know, and I think uh, today I want to talk about sonship legacy, because a lot of times we we prepare enough for ourselves, but a lot of times we don't pray, prepare for the generations to come. So sometimes we have a hard enough deal with a hard enough time with expanding on what we want to do. We think, how is it even possible that we're going to be able to influence generation after generation? Well, we have a hard enough time influencing ourselves. And uh, I just think, um, I just think that uh, uh, I'm, I'm just really privileged to be able to talk about this today. Um, but just because I see there's such a need. I, I really do. I see there's a need. There goes my legacy right out there. 
she started amening too loud, and she knew I was preaching good, so she's just going to be amening in the uh, nursing mom's room down the hall. So, um, Anyway, you know, I, I just want to real quick talk about our family. We have an awesome church family here. Uh, John, Kathy, would you all stand real quick? This is, this is the legacy that I'm proud to be a part of. This is John and Kathy. They're our elders. I'll give them a hand. We love them. John and Kathy, they have been, they are, they have just been through the thick and the thin of this house. They, they really are, they're moms and dads in the house. And they know the house, they know people, and I just want to say they believe in you. They really believe in you. And also we have other leaders. We have, uh, we have uh, Neam and, and, and Megan, we have Althea, we have Paula, uh, we have Bill and Judy, we have Neem and Megan, and, and Kim and myself and my, my mom and dad. We just... We, man, we love you guys. We are just so, we are so, did I miss anyone? Uh, we're just so thrilled. Derek, did I say Derek and Tina? Derek and Tina. We're just so thrilled to be a part. Because you really can be a part at a lot of places. And we are honored that the Lord has placed you in this place. I mean, it really is an honor. And we do look at it as an honor. And what I'm seeing, I've just, we've been hearing sonship. For like the last two months. Y'all, y'all know that. We've been hearing about what it means to be a son in the kingdom. And my dad and mom, they just went to a kind of a pastor's conference of pastors in the area. And they came back and they were so stoked because they were like, you know what? This is so funny because when we were all like, when we all said, you know, what is God speaking in your church? And everyone was like, sonship, sonship, sonship. And I was just like, no way. And they don't know any. They don't know each other, but they got together, and that was just the heart. And I just want to confirm that that is something that God is trying to bring into focus as a reality in your life. He really wants you to know that you are a part of a family. You really are a part of a family. You know, and, and even Jesus said. Uh, um, said, you know, who is my mother and father and brother and sisters, but he that does the will of my father in heaven. And y'all are my family. And you know what? I'm in this for the long haul, and I'm in this together. And I'm so glad that I have brothers and sisters that we are, we are, we have one goal. We really have one goal. And when we operate under one mind, we're going to see the glory of God fall like we've never seen you know, it's just so awesome. I, you know, we, we have our, our food pantry on Thursdays. I want to share this. I wasn't going to share this, but our food pantry is on Wednesday. That we get together, and when we pray, um, it's cool because we pray one mind. We really just play. Look, we got one goal here, and that these people need to be my God. And they come in, and I'm just telling you, God just like gives some people some just reality splashes, and just they just. They come in for food, but they leave with an eternal vision for their life. And God wants you guys to go out of here with not just an, a vision for this week, but a legacy vision. He really wants to expand your paradigm and your reality, your box. We, so we kind of have a box. Our experience and our life lessons kind of form a box, a way of thinking, okay? And we think this is possible, but this is impossible this is weird or this is normal. Uh, I like this and I don't like this. But that's, that's all formed. And I think God's just kind of getting rid of the box. 
And we're seeing miracles. We're seeing manifestations. We're seeing things that should not happen. We're seeing forgiveness that should not happen. We're seeing um, love that should not happen. We're seeing things that, like, in the world's definition, look, this isn't real. But guess what? In God's reality, this is just the norm. This is the way he works. He's just that good. And so I want to talk about legacy today. Um, you guys, uh, something that, uh, if you turn in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 41. thing that my dad, he, he brought me over, brought me up here one of the weeks, and he was saying that, um, you know, whenever you are adopted, whenever the, the father makes the announcement of the adoption, he brought, he brings the son before the city, before the marketplace. It's really, he brings it before the marketplace and he makes the announcement, my son is ready and now my son is a man and we are now co, we are co-equals in my business. Okay? That's what Jesus did with the father. He became co-equals with the father's business. And we're going to see this here. Are you guys there? Luke? I said Luke 2, right? Okay. Well, now that I told you to go there, how about I go there? How does that sound? Luke 2. And we're going to read uh, 41. says, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing uh, him to have been in the company, that means the caravan of people that were traveling, um, they went a day's journey, sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all people who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? There's something very interesting. See, he knew from a young boy what business he was going into. And I think we have a culture today that does not, does not facilitate train up your child in a way they will go. They say, train up your child to be everything that they want to be, rather than everything you were created to create them to be. You see, you were created in the image of something. You know, have you guys seen my daughter, all right? She looks like me. I'm sorry, she just looks like me. I love her to death, and I, act, I do see Kim, like she has Kim's eyes, because she has this look, and it's like, and like when she looks at me like that, I feel like as a 30-year-old dad, I'm in trouble from a six-month-old. What did I do wrong? Because I have, I have seen that look before. And so it's, 
it's amazing power in the eyes and so she just looks at me and it's and it's awesome but she she has features and she has not only features but she has nature she has a personality and see jesus knew who his father was and he knew he was starting to get trained up in the father's business and i want to just announce to you today you are in your father's business right now right now you are in and you are learning and you are expanding your vision of what the father's business really is and i know that there's a lot of people that they they love the house of god and i think it's great but what they're not doing is they're not preparing to run the founding family business someday they're preparing to they're preparing to help themselves out in their issues but they're not preparing to build a culture for the generations that are to come. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me on that one? Okay. Now I'm going to go back. So there is something to be said about the father's business. You know, the goal of a healthy father is not just to make healthy sons, but to make healthy fathers. Please understand that sonship is the process by which we attain fatherhood. You know, you are created in your Father's image. Later on in, in the, uh, um, Paul says, I have a lot of teachers, but not many fathers. All right? He didn't say sons. Because, see, there is a process of sonship that makes you come to a place of fatherhood where now you are not just in a place of learning. You are in a place of, of actually conceiving and actually producing the father's business and you know we are all called to that if you if you stake the if you claim christian if you say i am a christian the word christ means anointed one if you say you are a christian you are claiming the anointing of god on your life what does the anointing do the anointing breaks the yoke the anointing gives you power there is no such thing as a powerless Christian. It's an oxymoron. It does not exist. So if you are in the Father's business, you have authority over the things that He has in His business. And I know a lot of I know a lot of people here. They're just you're kind of you're kind of okay. We might have heard this the past couple of weeks, but I think there's going to be a revelation. Are you guys ready for revelation today? Can, can, real quick, this is something that's happening to me. God's been speaking to me. He says, look, David, there's a lot of times you can go through this, this, this time where you are learning, but you must remain a novice. Y'all know what novice means. It means you must remain at a level where you know that you don't know everything. Because what happens is we try to attain a certain amount of knowledge, and then we say, okay, now that I've retained X amount of knowledge, now I have safety. Well, that's what the Pharisees thought. See, it, knowledge is always to bring you to a closer, a closer uh, realm of intimacy. Always. See, I get to know my wife and I get closer to her. How, how many of you guys, you see me, but how many of you guys know that I have a scar on my face? You guys, you guys see the scar on my face? Does anyone see the scar? I have a scar right here. But see, you wouldn't know that unless you got close to me. And there is a, there's kind of an attitude in the body that, look, 
I want to love on God, but I don't want to get close to the people of God because I don't want them to see the scars that I've had. But guess what? I get, if you get close to me, if we develop a relationship, the relationship that is built and the trust that is built to me is so much more valuable than you seeing the scar on my face. And I actually cherish the relationship more than the perception. And see, Jesus values the relationship more than the perception. And here's the interesting thing that's it's actually, and I'll, I'll go to this later, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but actually Jesus, the first words ever recorded, those were the first words of him ever recorded uh, of him, was claiming proper sonship to his father. Now there is a, a cultural relevance of the father's business in that day that we've kind of discussed, and I know that God has just really been revealing it. Can I just announce to you, Father's business is on you today. Father's business is on you today. How many of you guys are ready? You're ready to go and use that. Look, I feel like I have just, I feel like I've been trained a lot, but I'm ready to be launched. Can I see your hand? I'm ready to be launched. There, there's just, there's something, there's something going on. I'm, I've been learning a lot. But get, but I, and I want, I want to just bear witness with you. I agree and I've been where you at. I've been where you are. And I, there is a point where you start running the Father's business. And I just want to say that day of visitation is here today. You are ready. As a matter of fact, you are so ready that God has given you the Holy Spirit and you're ready to go. I mean, do you guys agree with me on that? Are you ready? Now, you guys are the amen. You're the amen. You are the agreement to the word of God. When Jesus says something, you are the... You are the... Alright? Really? Are you the amen? Do you want to make me believe that you're the amen? (laughs) There's something. See, the world is looking for the amen. They've been told all about the Jesus, but they've never seen it. And there must become a level of agreement with you. Not a level of acknowledgement, but a level of agreement with heaven. You must agree with heaven. Can I talk real quick about agreement versus acknowledgement? Okay? I can agree that there's a burglar in my house, but I don't agree with it. You see the difference? There's a difference between agreement and acknowledgement. I acknowledge that... Uh, I, I might acknowledge that there's a mess on the stage, but I don't agree with it. You see, there's a lot of people that come to the church, come to church that they acknowledge Jesus, but they don't agree with him. Wow. Come on now. Can I hear an amen on that? There's a lot of people that come. You know what? I acknowledge the world, but I don't agree with it. I acknowledge sin, but I don't agree with it. I acknowledge sickness, but I don't agree with it. See, Jesus acknowledged things, but he did not agree with them. And there's a reason, because there was he agreed with a different kingdom. He didn't agree with the kingdom that he was in. He agreed with the kingdom that he was bringing. He didn't, he, even though he acknowledged death, even the, the story where he was going back to raise Lazarus from the dead, his, his verbiage was so heavenly 
that he had to actually bring what he was saying down so the disciples could understand what he was saying. And I'll give you I'll give you the story. When he was on his way, when he was on his way back, or just about, they were just deciding to go back. Lazarus, uh, uh, Lazarus was sick, and uh, or actually he was he was dead at the time. And Jesus said, "Let's go back to see Lazarus. He's sleeping." They said he, Jesus said he was sleeping. Okay, get that. Jesus said Lazarus was sleeping. He said, "Let's go." And the disciples said, hey, but if, it, if he's sleeping, isn't sleep good for him? And Jesus turned around, and the Bible says, he said to them plainly, okay, he's dead. Oh, see, now they understood. See, Jesus so agreed with the reality that when you die, it's, or, or when we pass away in this life, it's just sleep. You go to sleep in one reality wake up in the next. Did you die? No. Because death in his definition is eternal separation from the Father. That's what death is. And see, I think there is becoming, there is a revelation coming to even our, not just our heart, but even the way we speak. So when someone claims death over this nation, I say, look, I might acknowledge that there are a lot of things wrong, but I do not agree with it. Look, I I acknowledge there, there are, are issues with the way things are handled. But guess what? I'm not going to let that form me. I'm going to form it. We are created in the image of a creator, which means we have the nature of creating. It's pretty simple. Amen? Now, I, I, here's the deal. I, some of you guys are start, you, we're starting to move on this. And you guys are going to start laying hands on people. I really believe that faith does not come by having heard. I believe it comes by hearing. I believe that as you posture yourself to listen to the faith message that Jesus brought, you're actually going to have to lay down a reality completely before you could pick up an eternal reality. Amen? Here's the deal. It's so, if you try to approach the gospel with logic that you have built your entire life you are going to end up forming it into a system of religion that disempowers the goodness of God. And I have to be very careful to not let anything in my belief system that questions the goodness of God. If it starts to question the goodness of God, I just say, look, I'm sorry, but I don't receive that. Because, see, Jesus was the perfect manifestation of the Father's heart. All right? There's, a, there's a, the law and the prophets and all. There's a lot of perception of what, what God was. But, the, oh, come on now. Jesus, I mean, he was the perfect picture of the Father. Jesus says, hey, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And there's a lot of people that try to say, well, yeah, but that was, that, that was Jesus. I, I want to I talk about something. I want to I keep going on the legacy-minded. Are you preparing are you cultivating a legacy-minded thinking in your, in, in your uh, influence, in your circle of influence? Are people influencing you or are you influencing them with the reality of heaven? I, I got to say, I got some, even I have a, a guy at my work, and I've been talking to him about miracles. I've been talking to him about just, it's my reality. 
If it was Jesus' reality, come on now. I'm from Him. It's my reality too. I believe it. I, if you don't believe it, I, I, I just want to extend an invitation into the kingdom of heaven. Because that's just the reality of the kingdom of heaven. There are miracles in heaven. There's the goodness of God that leads sinners. There's workings of miracles. There's revelation. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. There's, there's all these things that people are trying to formulate, but they can't quite grasp the reality of because they're still holding on to a different reality. And it's tearing them apart. And they get so confused between the goodness of God and, and oh, well, why would he allow this? To, man, I'm just pursuing the goodness of God. Come on. Let's do this. All right? Now, God is a legacy-minded God. You guys know love, of all the things God is, there is nothing He is more than He is love. And you can't, uh, I've had so many young people ask me this. If God knew that Adam was going to fall, why did He create everything? And I just want to say, God is love. Love is helpless but to manifest something. Love has no ability other than to manifest itself. Always. So because God is love, it is His nature to create. If my nature is love with my wife, if me and my wife, we love each other, come on, it's just a matter of time before we get a cute little girl. It's just, um, it's just the nature of love. You can't love and not create. Just like you can't be love and have a creation without having a creation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of simple, but I know some people are just, whoa, what in the world, okay? But I just want to say that you can't have love without creation. That's just the nature of love, all right? But at the same time, there is, the Bible says in, in Genesis, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, that wasn't just a commandment. That was, that was the nature of the Father put in them. Okay? That was just their nature. Alright? Be fruitful and multiply. Because God never asked you to do something that He hasn't already give you, given you the ability to do. And so, He gave them a commandment by which they already had the nature and desire to do. Does that make sense? Alright? So here's the thing. There is, a, there is a culture today that tries to demean and it tries to get you to focus on you now and it tries to get you to be a gatherer and a hoarder for yourself and it actually tries to get you to be scared and say, I need everything right now for me. That is counter love. The Bible says that perfect love casts out what? Fear. And see, when you have a culture that even religious sex, uh, sex of the, uh, of, of the church, there are different uh, sects of the church that actually preach fear, and it actually totally pollutes the ability for the gospel to be preached. Because there is so much fear in love, people get confused, and so they reproduce more of their kind and it's just confusing doctrine after confusing doctrine and people are like wait god loves me or he hates me what what's the two well he loves you but he also hates you and so people are like what and so you have so much confusion so what it does is it puts the goodness of god out of perspective 
because it brings confusion into the mix. Because it brings fear in with love. And you can't have fear and love. Jesus didn't do that. It wasn't, he couldn't produce it because it wasn't in him. See, you are going to produce in your life what is in you. If you have fear in relationships, you are going to, you are going to create relationships where there are fear. If you have an argumentative type, that's because you have been something in you has been birthed and you didn't take care of it or allow it to be given to the cross. All those things we lay at the cross and our entire being is born again and there is no old us in the new us. It's kind of simple, but I'm going to keep going on the legacy thing here. Here's something that when, when Kim and me started dating, she brought a verse to me and it totally just kind of it threw me for a loop. But it was something that she had built her entire financial structure off of growing up. Young people, this is very wise. I want you to listen to this. It's, she said, it's in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13, 22. You can write that down. I'm going to just give you, I'm going to give you the, um, what it says. It says, a good man stores up an inheritance for his children's children. Okay. We have a hard enough time saving up an inheritance for ourselves, let alone our children, let alone their children's children. And there is a reason for this. See, when God gives, He actually has the intention of surpassing and even going farther. He actually wants to go farther than you could ask or think. And I think, I think it would be very wise for the church to be very careful not to adopt a mindset that I need, I need, I need, and it actually provokes you to stay away from, look, I know I have kids, but look, they're going to have to provide for themselves. I'm sorry, but that's not Bible. You are to make an influence so much because you are influencing the generations to come. Is your life... And guess what? It starts as a young person. Look, I'm living, I'm living in an element of fruit in my life that I sowed seeds when I was 10 years old. Okay? And I just want to say, a lot of people don't like... They like microwave Christianity. They like to get it retail. They go to, they go to spiritual Walmart on Sundays and they come home and they pop their meals in the oven and they eat but they lack so much wisdom and knowledge that takes place in cultivating your own garden and cultivating your own... Am I, am, I, am I hitting anything? You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? Because, see, God is interested in legacy. He loves you. He loves you so much that He gave you more than enough. And there's a lot of believers that they want to extend their ministry and their influence so they could gather up to themselves. They forget the generations that are to come. I, I want to I I share a verse of Scripture with you that I think that is going to make you go, oh, and it's going to pull. It's actually going to provoke you to righteousness, and I love it. And I want to just bring some revelation that I received uh, from uh, Bill Johnson. He was teaching on uh, the culture that we are creating right now. Young people, you are creating a culture. Actually, can I say, young people right now are living with the fruit 
that the prior generation planted. They are. So look, I think it's very wise that if you are seeing fruit, if you are seeing fruit in young people's life that you see need to be corrected, can I suggest planting different seeds? Okay? Because a lot of people think, uh, I, I see so many, I see a lot of parents that they don't like the fruit in their kids. I'm just like, look, I know that there's a lot of influences. But God didn't place the solitary in friendships. He didn't place the example of what he's trying to do in, in school systems. I, I was blown away. I had, I, I had a great time. I went over to, to Nathan's football game the other day, and I was such an outsider. Everybody knew each other. Like, I went, and the, the way they have it, the culture today builds around school systems. They really do. They build their entire culture around a school, and the parents come, and the kids come, and everyone knew each other. Everybody knew each other. Hey, uh, so-and-so, and hey, Dominic, and hey, da-da, hey, George, hey, Bill. And, and they're, like, all talking to each other. I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Now, I don't know if they're going to church, but I just saw this relationships going back and forth. And I'm like, look, if we don't cultivate proper, healthy relationships and, and be invitational, I think there's such a culture where people think the church is so damning. We forget the concept of perfect love casts out fear. So what we do is we try to get people in, but we try to change them rather than get them in and allowing Jesus to change them. Letting the Holy Spirit actually and actually be not, not religion that I put on them, but inspiration from the Holy Spirit that He does through the seed of salvation. See, and that's what produces healthy kids is when they're birthed from the Father. Come on now. Amen. I'm going to read to you guys 2 Kings. You guys turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings. It says, A good man stores up for his children's children. Now, I'm going to read to you 2 Kings, and we're going to read chapter 20. We're going to actually read the entire chapter. Now, this, this chapter covers a span of 15 years. But I'm going to read to you something about... How many of you guys have ever... Have you guys ever read about Hezekiah? Anyone in here? It's kind of cool. It's really The story is really neat, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can catch something with, with, with regards to the legacy with your sonship. Okay? I'm just going to read a couple things about Hezekiah. It says, according to the Hebrew Testament, Hezekiah introduced religious reform and reinstated religious tradition. That was good. He resolved to abolish idolatry from his kingdom. And among other things, uh, he did this, um, he did, uh, he did to this end, he destroyed the high places and a bronze serpent. He actually uh, recorded as being made by Moses according to the commandment of Yahweh, which became an object of idolatrous worship. He destroyed idols. Hezekiah cleaned house. He came in. He was a king of Israel. He was from the line of David. And he came in and he saw all the things that the people had allowed back into the system of where it was supposed to be the righteous place. And they allowed all this junk in. And he came in and he cleaned house. He did an awesome thing. Now listen to this. Uh, a couple more things. Hezekiah, Hezekiah also returned 
the Passover pilgrimage and the tradition of inviting the, uh, the scattered tribes of Israel to take part in a Passover festival. Uh, that's talked about in, Hezekiah, uh, in 2 Chronicles 35. Uh, and Hezekiah is portrayed by the Hebrew Testament as a great and good king. He's one of the few kings praised so highly as to have trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who were before him. So the, the Bible actually says, man, this guy did some pretty amazing things. I mean, this guy did some good stuff. All right, so we have that foundation laid on Hezekiah. I'm going to get to the meat on this. You guys say, mm, meat. All right, you guys ready for some meat? So here we go, 2 Kings 20. I'm going to read in verse 1. It says this, In those days Hezekiah was sick, near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember me, O Lord, I pray. How have I walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight? And Hezekiah wept bitterly And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return to him and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and I will surely hear you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, uh, Take a lump of figs. So they, take, uh, they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Okay, so God is so interested in there being an expanse of righteousness over the land, he's going to keep you around a little longer. You guys ever heard this promise? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It also says, children, obey your parents in the Lord so that you may have long years on, the, on your life. You know what? God wants to keep the concept of obedience around. Okay? He really does. When, when, when you adopt obedience, He wants to keep you around. But can I extend that to the kids of, of God? God wants to keep obedient people around. As a matter of fact, it's because, because of that, there is just a fruit of it. As a matter of fact, there's eternal life because of it. Come on now. All right, now I'm going to jump down to verse 12. It says, At that time, some dude with a really long name, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon. I'm sorry, this is, there's like, that's like the Schwarzenegger of the Bible. That's just way too long. All right, it says, The king of Babylon sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick, and Hezekiah was attentive to him, and showed them all the house... Oh, this is interesting. Time out. i got to rewind here. I really want you guys to pay attention to what is happening right now. This is something very interesting. God heard the cry of a man who was going to die. As a matter of fact, it was a word from the Lord. You're going to die. And because Hezekiah called out something the Bible says that God's heart changed God actually heard the cry of this man and he says okay I'm going to give you 15 more years 
Now listen to this. At that time, that dude with the long name, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters in the presence of Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to him and showed him all the house of his treasures. Hezekiah started showing the promises and the glory and the inheritance, the goodness of what God had done for him to the Assyrian army or the Babylonian guy. Babylon is not a good place. We don't want to show, we, we don't want to be showing off those things. Okay? Now I'm going to get to what this is talking about. It says, uh, the home of all his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and the precious ointment, and all his armory. Hey, here, hey, hey, enemy, let me show you all my goods. Let me show you what, all my weapons. It says, and all, uh, all that was found among his treasures, that there was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said, what did these men say and where and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came from a far country, from Babylon. And, he, and, and Isaiah said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures I have not shown them. Listen to this, guys. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house that all your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, who you will beget and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Does anybody know who this is referring to? It's referring to Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a prophetic word spoken of what is to come later on. Alright? Now it says this. This is, this, is, this is big, guys. It says, So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. What? hear that the word of the lord which you have spoken is good for he said there will not be peace and truth at least in my days so he says look that's just too bad for them at least i'll have peace in my days did you guys hear what just happened it says now the rest of the acts of hezekiah all his might and now he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city aren't are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of judah so hezekiah rested with his fathers then manasseh reigned in his place if you guys know the story of manasseh he was one of the most evil kings ever in israel there is something to be said when the people of god take the fruits of their fathers and harbor them to themselves and say I will enjoy the luxuries of the fruits of my father rather than re-sowing them for the seeds of generations to come. 
I don't think God wanted to bring judgment. I think what God was looking for in Hezekiah was the same spirit of God, please don't take my life. See what I have done. And God said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I think that same tenacity of what he knew that Hezekiah had the potential to have is the same tenacity and God please don't attitude that he brought later on. But instead, you know what he said? Well, at least it won't be in my days. Do you guys see something? There's, there, there is something happening here. When a generation starts worrying about themselves rather than generations to come, there is going to be famine. Your children and their children's children will be carried to Babylon. God provides a way, but He will not force it. I think some of you guys are, are, are experiencing the voice of the Lord right now. salvation in your house when you prepare it for your children's children. We are not to be called a selfish generation. I will not agree I will not agree that what I have received is just good for me. But I am going to take the seeds. I will. God has given me enough for me. He's given me enough for me. But I want to take the bounty and the plenty that my father and his father have sown into me. I'm going to take the fruit and I'm going to plant the orchards for the generations to come. Because what they are going to face is something far more vicious than what I face. They are going to need the bounty that I am to plant in Young people, your kids, I know that's my kids, 12 years old, my kids. Yes, God wants you to see into the future. He actually wants you to see, and yes, He will provide what you need for where you're at. But do not simply rejoice in the plenty and the bounty that He has given you. But take what He has given you and re-sow what is to come. Tell your kids, parents, encourage them, build them up so much that what you are speaking over them is an inheritance good enough not only for them but their kids. See, I, I walk in a level of inheritance so much that I got a lot. I have a lot of spiritual truth in my life. So much so 
that I have been given enough to pour into my daughter to where it's going to pour over into her daughter and her sons. See, when we gauge our culture in a way that thinks forward, we create success. We create longevity. And I think that, here's, here's the deal. You can't operate in this inheritance if you haven't received it. You can't plant seeds that you haven't received yourself. And when we talk about sonship, there's a lot of people that are trying to sow seeds of truth when they themselves don't even have the slightest clue. They, they, they acknowledge God, but they don't agree with Him. They acknowledge the family business. Yeah, it's there. Do you work there? No, I'm just not. I mean, I do things around the house. They have a servant mentality. They have a slave mentality, but they don't have a son mentality. And guess what? When you're a slave or where you're a servant in the house, you don't dwell in the house. You, you feel awkward when you're there feel awkward when you start doing the father's business because you're kind of scared because you want to do it right but guess what when you're a son you know I, I know my father I know what he wants I know what he likes I know what he doesn't like we're born of the same seed as a matter of fact I I, I can't I can't I can't um, disappoint him because he can't disappoint me because everything he has, he has given me. There is no separation. Can I just bring a revelation? Sin doesn't separate God from you. It only makes you think that. Genesis. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let's go there. I'm gonna, come on, real quick. Real quick. You get nothing else, get this. That's a strong statement. And I know a lot of people have a lot of problem with that. But I'm going to bring some revelation on that, okay? Sin does not separate you from God. That's, that's bold. I'm, I'm glad no one walked out on that one. Uh, long enough for me to explain what I'm talking about. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3. Genesis 3. I'm going to read verse, verse, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, uh, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then both of their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Listen to this. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, 
and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I want you to hear the response of God, the Father. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Sin changes your perspective of who you are. It does not create an image of who you are. It changes your perspective of the image of who you are. That's what it does. So, when you grow up in a culture of sin, and everyone tells you, God does not, God does not accept you. But then you hear the news of Jesus, that he says you're accepted and you're loved. You think, well, I was told that God doesn't accept me until I do certain things. See, Jesus, the manifestation of the truth, brings real revelation of the heart of the Father. And I announce to you today, you are not naked. You are clothed in righteousness. See, sin doesn't change your identity. See, Adam and Eve, they were already naked. They just saw that they were naked. Sin changes your perspective. It does not change your reality. Do you guys get that? Sin changes your perspective. It doesn't change your reality. You were healed. Well, I still feel sick. What reality are you drawing from? You are whole. You are a son. You are chosen. You are more than a conqueror. You are not naked. And I think when you leave here with the message to bring to the lost. Lost doesn't mean they're out of reach. It just means they're lost. If they're lost, that means that if, if, somebody, if something is lost, that means it has a possessor. If I lose something, for me to be able to lose it means it was mine in the first place. Does that make sense? People that are lost, they aren't separated from God. They just need to be found. This is good, guys. This is, I'm sorry, this is good news. And guess what? If you listen, there's no bad news in the good news. It's just good news. And so many times we go out and we try to do our best to bring good news, but we feel like we, we have to do, we, I got to bring some of this. But I just want to say, Jesus, Jesus brought, his news is so good. It really is. I'm serious. It is so good that, that it casts out any potential of the bad news. Now, some people are like, well, don't you need to tell people about hell? I, I know hell is real. We're not saying hell is not real. We're not saying that. But I, I do think that people, when you are going out and you are trying to bring the message of the good news and you bring fear into the equation, you're diluting the goodness of the good news. I think it, it is definitely there and it is definite reality. And we're not, we're not casting the reality of sin out of the equation. We are telling you, we acknowledge sin. 
but we don't agree with it. I don't agree with the perception that God may not be as good as He says He is. I don't agree with that. I love people so much. Jesus came to save the lost in such a way that He didn't bypass their sin. He conquered their sin. Sin is dead. It's dead. For you to believe it, that means you are digging up something that Jesus killed. Let it be dead. In Jesus' name. Like literally, in Jesus' name. Let sin be dead. When I come to a lost person, I am coming to make I'm I, I'm coming to bring the discovery. Jesus found you. I'm found? Oh yeah. What about my what about my sin? He he he, he finished. It's done. It's conquered. But I still but it's but it's still there. We'll just bury it and leave it buried. But but I uh so you're telling me that sin is it's it's no longer. Yes. I am saying that. I am saying the Bible says that he who is in Christ cannot sin. I had the amazing honor of having lunch with a friend of mine that I grew up with who had never heard the gospel this good before. And I'm telling you, this simple message of the goodness of the good news has caused him to change. A sh- it, there's a shift in his perspective. He is now operating the Spirit like he has never operated from. Well, I, I shared a testimony the last time of me and Robbie, and this guy out here that, that he came during a discipleship class and I went outside and I prayed for him. And I just told him how good he was. I told him how awesome he was. And he had never heard anything like that. Now, I didn't, I didn't just say, God accepts you for who you are. Here's what I believe. Come as you are, leave as he is. That's what I believe. Come as you are, leave as he is. Because, see, God, God, God wants your ashes, and he's going to give you beauty. Okay? He doesn't want you to have any part of your ashes, because they don't reflect any part of him. Because there's no ugliness in him. Alright? And so he's bringing out the beauty in mankind. And it's not, it's not a matter of... It's not even a battle. It's just a lie. There's a lie of sin that Satan brought forward. Jesus said, sin is dead. I've killed that perception to dwell in my reality. That's what he says. And it is so good that when I was telling Reggie... Uh, uh, I was telling um, uh, Robbie, thank you. I was telling Robbie, just man, God loves you. He has amazing thoughts for you. He came back and he said, look... You said something to me, and there's been so many things happening, but I just couldn't get it out of my head. The good news is so good, it beats out all the bad news. And you end up not being able to dwell on all the bad news because the bad news tries to be in, bring an element of good news that you try to produce, but then it, it cancels itself out. And the good news is so good that it just continues to produce more good news. The Bible says, to the pure, all things are pure. So when you believe the good news, there's just goodness that starts coming out of you and you start to see things that, look, I, I really shouldn't believe how good, how good God says you are because I see, I see sin, but guess what? I don't want any part of that impurity in my life, so I'm just going to tell you what God says you are. And so he just, uh, he just get, continued to pour out, and there was something that happened that was very interesting. I didn't share. I forgot to share it last time. And I'm closing with this. He started, 
he came back and he found me about a month and a half later and he wanted to give his heart to the Lord. He said, I don't care what it is, but whatever you have, I want it. I didn't tell him anything about myself. I told him everything about himself and now he wants what I want, what I have. I'm sorry, that's kind of interesting. And so as I'm talking to him, and he said, look, I don't know what it is, but I've got to have what you have. I want what you, well, I want what you have. And then he, he, now, I just want to say something here. This is very interesting. There was a spirit of religion that did its absolute best to try to get into the situation to pollute the planting of what was just about to happen. Because see, Robbie had so much he thought he understood what the good news was. But there was something, I had to release some spirits, the spirit of sin. I had to cast it out, but I also had to cast out a spirit of religion. And I have to tell you how I did this. He kept on stopping himself from swearing. It was very interesting. He was like, and I'm not going to, you know, even come close, but he was like, man, I'm just so tired of all this thing. And, I, and, and he would stop himself. He, I'm so tired of all this s- stuff. All right? 